Welcome to Theory Paranormals Podcast, Episode 2. I'm your host, Pax, with my partner here, Dalton. What we're going to discuss today is some various investigations that we both have done uh, together and potentially not, and uh, just give a little bit of insight as far as our experiences and the way we perceive things. So uh, without uh, further ado, I... uh, Introduce Mr. Dalton. Go ahead. Well, how's everybody doing? What do you want? You want to start with you and your, or you want to start with one that we've done together, like, say, Clearwater Theater? Okay, we can do that. And what do you remember about Clearwater Theater? Clearwater Theater <clears throat> is on the west coast of Florida. It's a two-story movie theater that was there back in the heyday in the 40s used to be a really, really popular theater back in the day. And that particular theater uh, is very grandioso, I can say. Very regal. Has a great feel to it, but it's very stuffy. Not because it's old, uh, but just because of the vibe that it gives off. And that particular theater actually had a death up in the top pews uh, back in the day. And that was the whole premise of why me and Dalton went there was to investigate that to see if we could get any activity and to see at the end of the night uh, what we could compare notes to. Uh, We both worked separately and then we compared everything and and see what we came up with. We don't like mudding the waters a lot of times uh, because we don't want anything to happen or any spoken word, any devices or anything whatsoever to influence one another. Uh, when we investigate independently, we want to be able to have free thought, a clear mind, uh, clear space, clear energy, and just take it at face value for whatever happens. So there's your uh, little plug on uh, Clearwater <laughs> Theater. <laughs> well, I remember um, taking some random photos, and there's there's some on the Facebook page, on the Theory of Paranormal Facebook page. Mm-hmm. There's a picture of the where I was up on the balcony and I took a photo down towards the stage and uh, two big old orbs showed up right behind. They like they were following. Um, we had a, we had a, we had another person or two with us that night, if you remember. And yep. um, so yep. they were following those people. And if you look closely in that photo way down there on the left side of the stage, there was actually... I think what looked to be like a clown or something standing there. I forget what they were doing. But anyway, he was dressed up like he was on stage performing. And I thought that was pretty pretty interesting there. Yep, yep, most definitely. You know, <clears throat> with this particular theater, it was really neat and interesting because, uh, you know, when you watch shows from back in the 30s and 40s, it, it literally – and captured that whole embodiment essence of being at the theater, you know, ornate displays all over the walls, the woodwork and the ceiling, you know, the the grandeur of, of the big chandeliers, uh, the velvet seating everywhere. It, it you know, you, you got to remember back then, this was the place to go when you wanted to go out a night on the town. This was the highlight of the week. So it was a really big production. It wasn't as it is now when we go to the theater, when it's just 
you know, maybe a spoken word or maybe a play if you're going to go see something. Um, it really, really captured and carried the whole environment. Uh, and, you know, just thinking about it and recalling it right now, I just remember every single time I got to a different portion of the theater, I found myself literally just daydreaming about what life would be like uh, when you walk in. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, when the lights kind of dim, they go back up and they're like, hey, you know, let's get ready to start. Everybody go in. Everybody, you know, ushers in. You know, transport yourself. Imagine everybody looking very regal, dressed up, great, you know, just to the nine and just flowing in to this beautiful, beautiful overall place where people grab their seats and just hang out. And every single time I would go to a different portion of it, I would imagine what it was like, not only for the actors or actresses, but what it was like for the common people that were part of it that nobody ever saw, like the stagehands or the grips or the equipment operators that operated the equipment or the people that were the managers trying to make everything happen. And the reason why I was putting myself in that mindset, because when you investigate, you want to be able to imagine what it was like back in the moment, if and when there is a trigger event that made that place be put on the map. So with that said, you know, I'm walking down the hallway in the back and to everybody else, you know, they may look at it and say, eh, okay, it's a hallway, a few doors to the changing rooms, you know, you literally could walk in and see a room or two where they had everything in the back, you know, where a movie star would be, whatever the case is. But to me, I'm thinking, how much energy was deposited here by raw emotions, by nerves, by stress, you know, all of those things, because all of those things I like to think via my opinion plays into when you investigate rather that person is passed on or not. All of that is residue per se. Imprinting. Imprinting. There you go. And so by the end of the night, it was really neat. I literally think I came up with eight or nine different locations where everything it just had a different feeling almost. It did. It, I think um, even when we were in the uh, second floor dressing room area, um, we caught some EVPs there. But it had it, it, it did seem like different sections of the building was was a different feeling. Like some of it was a little darker than most. Some of it felt made you feel a little lighter. But, yeah, I agree with you on that. It was... Um, Definitely everywhere you went, even into the stands. Even when you got up there on the second floor balcony, what was it, a person fell off the balcony or something? Uh, if I remember correctly, somebody was killed. Uh, they were shot, right? Right. Somebody somebody was killed right on the spot. And then we found out, so we were told when we got there, and this is what we talked about in the first podcast, about, you know, you get, you go in, you check the history, you get the evidence, you get... Not evidence, but you get some explanation of what might have happened there, and then you get it and you find, you either find out more happened or you find out less. But I think we found out that there was more that happened there. More than one person died in that in that theater. It wasn't just a person in the. And it, you know, come to think of it, there was a big sound booth um, 
the production booth up there on the second floor, right? There yes. Was, there was so yep, and back on the second floor, back in the middle. Back in the middle, right? Mm-hmm, That's where mm-hmm. the person was shot. In the. It was in the booth, I believe, wasn't it? Uh, I would have to go back to my notes. That's one of the things when you do investigations, they kind of run money together, unfortunately. So. Yeah, I'm trying to remember because that was a long. That was a long. That was. That was probably one of the first investigations we ever done together. Yeah, it was about what ten years ago. It was more than that. Ten. I'd say probably thirteen. Fifteen or twenty. Fifteen. Fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. I'd have to pull it up, but um. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, man. The, the Clearwater Theater. We might have to go see if we can do that again if they'd let us in there. Yeah, most definitely. You know, you're gonna hear us talk about a lot of different places um anytime that we do talk about them we are not trying to give broad strokes and paint that particular location in any certain light we're not trying to say hey if you go here this is going to happen we're simply telling you our experience of what transpired for us um i you know wholeheartedly uh encourage anybody if they hear anything about what we discuss um, you can go ahead and uh, email us at info at theoryparanormal.com and ask questions or simply just pull it up on the, the wonderful internet and do research. Check it out. Yeah, check it out and let us know what you find. And, you know, if you got a question or if you want to debate something, I'm not a big debater myself. Um, but if you got something you want to add to, Maybe some some of the evidence that we had found. Now that evidence there is not on the Facebook page. That was something that that was our. I think that was our first investigation together. So that being 15 years ago, um, we didn't even really think about putting up a page and showing evidence at that time. We were just doing our thing as far as investigating and trying to figure out, you know, what was going on in different places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the other the other place we did together um putnam hotel man yep putnam hotel that was uh over here behind the athens theater in deland right correct okay and this particular hotel if memory serves me correct i want to say it was six seven stories it was an odd number but it was pretty big and uh and the daycare center in the attic daycare center in the attic and then you had the guy that shot from the third or fourth floor window, because the actors and actors, um, actresses, they would act and perform at the Athens Theater, and then there was a little trail that cut back from behind the Athens Theater, kind of through the woods, and it brought you in behind the Putnam Hotel where they all stayed. And I think the uh, the jealous boyfriend in the third or fourth floor in that corner room saw his girl coming back with another guy walking through the woods. And they were looking a little friendly, I guess, with each other. So he pulled out, I guess, his rifle. Now, the thing I never could figure out is why he had a rifle in the room. Right. Well, if I, if my memory serves me correct, it ended up being ultimately bad information. Was it bad information? It was bad information. Because they said they shot the guy, which wound up being her brother. Mm-hmm. And that's what he was jealous, he, they thought. Um, you know, he thought that he was somebody else because he never met the brother. And so she was walking back 
you know, he went to go see the show, and he was walking back through the woods with her, and the guy shot him through the window. Yeah. So that was bad information on their part. <laughs> yep. It was a it was a, a corner a corner room. I remember that room like it's it's still video played in my head. You walk in. Uh, it was a very very small little apartment hotel room, and uh, you looked over in the corner, and you could see out to the back parking lot, and. Uh, you know, one thing I can I can definitely attest to, <coughs> there is a lot of places we uh, researched and investigated in Florida, for instance, and a lot of these towns that you hear us talk about, they were very prominent back in the 30s and 40s. Um, so they have locations where people may or may not know about. At one given point in time or another, they were open for investigations. Um, some of them, it's like, no, that's okay, we're good. And then sometimes, as luck may have it, and they come back around, we'll get a phone call, and they're like, hey, you know what? Yeah, it's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll open the doors for you. And that's the neat thing when you investigate that you have these opportunities sometimes that just magically fall in your lap. And it's like, what are we doing this weekend? Well, I'm doing this, and I got this plan. Well, I just got this phone call. And then it's just like, pump the brakes. Let's go get all the gear, you know. It's like Ghostbusters as far as the scene where they're throwing everything and, you know, Ecto-1, and it's like, let's go. You know, that's 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 how those moments are sometimes. Yeah, they are. Um, well, I remember that one time we did a private investigation, and you you'd got the call. At like five or six o'clock at night, that they okayed it. Yep. And you were in the middle of dinner. I was in the middle of dinner. Mm -hmm. And you hit me up, and you're like, "Hey, you know that that place over there?" Blah blah blah. I'm like, "Yeah." And you're like, <clears throat> "They okayed us to come investigate because the activity's picking up." Yep. And I said, "Okay, well, when are we going to schedule it?" And you're like, "Within the hour." So I had to stop eating. You stopped eating. Yep. Met up and and went and took care of business. <clears throat> and that's again. and that's the thing. Um, it's that's the one. That's the one too, where the shampoo bottle came out of the holder mm -hmm. and fell into the bathtub. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, that was pretty interesting because <clears throat> imagine there being like a lip to hold shampoo bottles. Uh, you know, it looks like a a little hole that's in the side of the wall and it has a metal bar. That was actually a basket. You know, those little baskets oh, that's you right, buy that's and, right. and you hang it over the shower head. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, they had that. It was like one little single basket over the shower head, and it had like four or five bottles of shampoo and body wash and whatever in it. And I remember I caught this little girl standing in the bathroom when I walked by it. And so, so you're talking like a what, like a spirit or entity or or etherical being? I mean, um, what? More of a shadow figure. Okay. Um, because she was. I don't want to say a dark shadow figure. I just seen the outline of her mm -hmm. in the in the shower curtain. The way the the outside light was coming in through the bathroom window, and it you can see. And at first, I didn't. I thought I was just seeing things because I had to clear my eyes two or three times, and I couldn't tell if she was standing in the shower behind the curtain or standing outside the shower in front of the curtain. But you could definitely see the outline of a little girl. And 
that's when we had we had a buddy of ours with us investigating at that time. Mm-hmm. And he walked by and I said, hey, man, do you see that right there? And he's like, what? And it took him a second. He goes, that looks like a little girl. And I said, okay, because I didn't tell him anything. You know what I'm saying? I just mm-hmm. said, do you see anything? And that's that's one thing I like about how we investigate, too. We don't try to give anybody information. We mm-hmm. might say, hey, did you see that? And when they say that they saw basically the same thing we saw, then we know, okay, we're not seeing things. And... Somebody mentioned the mother. Mm-hmm. You guys rent another area of the house mm-hmm. talking about a painting. Yep. And somebody mentioned the mother or something, and that's when the shampoo bottle. Yep. Yep, yep, because the <clears throat> the mother ended up, unfortunately, passing away. Yeah. So. And the shampoo bottle flipped up out of the, kind of like, it, it just real calmly just lifted up and fell over into the tub. Mm-hmm. I remember the, that out video. Out of the basket. It, it, it it was surreal because it's very rare to be part of experiences. Poltergeist, especially. But, but when they happen, you know, even to this day with everything I've, I've, I've personally experienced, which you'll learn over the various podcasts that we'll, we'll put out, um, it doesn't make a difference if it's the first time or the last time. It still gives goosebumps sometimes. It's still, you know, your jaw is dropping as you're mouthing to your, you know, your team members, you know, like, did you get that? You know, did you see that? You know, that's the funny thing about us, man, is we get excited where people, you know, you, we, we've had guests mm-hmm. in our investigations before and some of them wind up like, nah, I'm not, I'm not going back in there. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Where, you know, like I did a private investigation one time and there was actually, the house was vacated for six months and I found that uh, some people were coming up there and they were doing witchcraft mm-hmm. up in there. Yeah. And I was helping the guy out. Now this was up in North Georgia and I, when I started talking about witchcraft or satanic, uh, any kind of satanic deals or anything, I got this growl that came out like a really deep growl came out of the closet. And what I do is I put everybody up against the wall in front of me in the room and had them sit on the floor. Who, the people that live there or the yes, people that the, were in the room investigating? or Well, the people that live there. I did that investigation by myself, actually, which mm-hmm. is probably not the good thing to do. But and Sometimes opportunity presents itself, and you want to you wanna go forward and do the right thing to help people as soon as possible. Again, helping people is number one. And you were down here, so... Um, I put them against the wall, had them sit on the floor. And then what I did was I created a barrier, basically, mm-hmm. so that the entities, whatever came, could not pass me. I told them straight out, you can't, you're not going to walk past me. You're not going to f- affect these people sitting here. You're going to stop right where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And there was evidence that the room behind me was colder than the room in front of me, you know, just that split width of my body. Mm-hmm. But anyway, when that growl came out of that closet, um, the friend of mine who asked me to come do the do the investigation, he literally said, dude, what the F was that? And I said, I ain't got no idea. And the whole time I'm standing in the dark going, yeah, this is great, man. <laughs> These people are scared out of their mind and I'm sitting there going, yeah, this is what we're here for, you know? And I didn't want to like get all excited because, you know, that was cool. 
to have that happen. And it did it, <clears throat> it did it a couple more times. And then at one time it shot the flashlight off the bed. I had a flashlight on it. He had a big king size four poster bed type deal. Mm-hmm. And I had a flashlight on each corner and it pushed one, it like threw one off. Like it kind of shot at me for about a foot and then hit the floor. But, but yeah, man, that's, um, it's crazy how excited we get when something like that goes off, you know, it's, mm-hmm. um, that's what we're there for. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, <clears throat> it, it's, it's funny because sometimes you're waiting for something the whole night, no matter what it is. It could be a flashlight turning on and off, a, a EMF detector. And just to say, though, we know the flashlight can be debunked. Yeah. So we do use multiple flashlights with colored lenses. Mm-hmm. Multiple and, things. And we do make sure that there's more than one K2 meter and our cell phones are not around. We Just to let you know, we do know all the debunking mm-hmm. stuff. So Right. And, uh, you know, we use multiple methods, you know, as, as Dalton said, you know, multiple flashlights, multiple devices. And, you know, when you put all this stuff down, you could sit there all night and get not an iota of anything, nothing. And then you do. And it's usually, I mean, you know, this, it, this is the, the, the long game. You, you never get into something and it's just like, boom, stuff going crazy. And you're like, hey, you know, I knew it was going to be like that. But the point being is, is that when it does happen, I don't care who you are. You can't be muddled down and desensitized to interacting with the other side or something. You're, you know, for me, it's like a little kid on Christmas. Walk up, see the tree, see the presents, you know, whatever interactivity I get, that's my present for the day. <laughs> so I'm all about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a gift, man. It's uh it's definitely a present, man. It's just, you know, and the and the thing is, is when you're in these investigations and you're doing that and you get you know, you don't get anything. Um what I tell people, you know, because you get people all the time, you know, they you know, you're a paranormal investigator, yeah. Well, I want to go on an investigation with you. And I tell them, you know what an investigation is? It's like fishing. You can go out on the boat one day and sit out there and t- cast your line and not catch a thing. Or you can go out on the boat one day and cast your line and you might get a few nibbles. Or you can go on the boat and cast your line and catch the biggest fish you ever caught. Yep. Yep. So I, I've always told people it's just like fishing, man. You might get something, you might not. But what I do tell them is, if you're going to bring the negativity into my investigation, don't do that because we definitely ain't going to get nothing. It's just been a proven fact for us. I don't know about other investigators, but for us, if we've had some, I would say, skeptic or a non-believer that was just bringing negative energy to the investigation, the, the, the entities of the place we're at, they don't want to come out and talk to you. I've always figured, like, you know, they're standing in the corner looking at us. I can feel them standing there, mm-hmm. there but why ain't they communicating? And you'll get one person that leaves the investigation to go to his car or do something. And then all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. And when that person shows up, they <coughs> mm-hmm. get quiet. So you know exactly who it is. But yep. Yep. you can't bring <coughs> negativity or anything to the to the investigation. It just, you know. No. No, not at all. And, and we'll get into all that later on. Sure. Which, which Dalton's, you know, referencing energy and, and how it affects Potentially, you know, the body and the psyche and all sorts of stuff. But uh, 
But you're right, man. I mean, you can go to investigation. You might not get nothing. Maybe they don't want to talk to you. But you can go back a second time, you get a nibble. You go back to third or fourth time, you get a nibble. And the fourth, fifth time, you you get a bite. Yep. Once they get used to you coming around, May Stringer House in Brooksville was like that. You remember I said I would never, I never wanted to do May Stringer? Yep. Just didn't want to do it. And uh, Where's Brooksville at? Brooksville, down there by Arcadia, west coast, south of uh, Tampa. Okay, so you're talking Florida. Yes. Okay. Or north of Tampa. It's right north of Tampa. It's north of Tampa, Brooksville. May Stringer, everybody, anybody that knows paranormal probably knows <coughs> May Stringer House. Okay. Um, but I never wanted to do it. We had certain people we knew that was going over there investigating that that house all the time and i mm-hmm. just didn't want to be like hey i'm following you to go investigate you mm-hmm. know and i want to do my own thing but here's the here here's the interesting part about that the most interesting part is that one of our old friends that used to investigate with us mm-hmm. um we got invited to go to the octagon hall up in kentucky oh is that so yeah so um the Octagon Hall, if you don't un, if you don't know about it, it, I believe it's in Franklin, Kentucky, right there at the border of Kentucky and Tennessee on 65. Mm-hmm. Um, Confederate soldier there, um, well-known Confederate. He built his house like an octagon. And the only people that were doing it back in that time was over in England, and it was dealing with air conditioning. They would open the windows because of the octagon shape. You could open the windows in the house, and it would cool the house. Mm. So... I said, man, I'm not going to drive all the way to Kentucky to do one investigation. And we did it with some some certain people there. Um, and I said, I'm not going to drive up there and do whatever. So he said, hey, man, guess what? And I said, what? And he goes, I got us into Perryville Battlefield. What? Yes. Get out of here. A Civil War battlefield. Really? At night. <laughs> not the day. We were allowed to get on that battlefield at night. Now, if, if, if my memory serves me correctly, isn't there a, a, a close <laughs> relative, maybe, that you're part of a, a lineage that's concerning everything? Uh, from what I'm told from my father, uh, my fifth greatest uncle is Ulysses S. Grant. Get out of here. That's what he tells me. And he's buried. I buried my father in... Uh, Jefferson Barracks in St. Louis, Missouri, and that's where the makeshift grave of um, Grant is. Okay. And also my grandfather, his father's buried there. All my family's from Missouri, and they're from around the area where Grant lived. Mm-hmm. So I've never checked my uh, family tree or anything. Okay. But from what I gather... From other family members, it's pretty much legit that my fifth greatest uncle is Ulysses S. Grant. Wow. So my ties to the Civil War are pretty, my interest, I should say, since I found that out as a kid. When I found that out as a kid, my interest in the Civil War grew like 200%. Oh, wow. Because I wanted to know who Grant was. I wanted to know about the war. I wanted to know. Now, being that I'm the only Southern person born in my family, Imagine that. Hmm. So I was born here in Florida. Okay. So I'm the only Southern guy in my family. My sister was born in Idaho, and everybody else was born in, 
you know, all my family members come from Missouri, so. Is that is that really how you say Missouri? Missouri. Missouri. I don't know. Show me. <laughs> that's, that's where I, I heard a certain person, you know, from a, a certain show always said Missouri. Yeah, that's their term. <clears throat> I say Missouri because from the South, we like to pronounce things. But Right. Um, so anyway. Um, I said, really, Perryville Battlefield, man, Civil War Battlefield. They're going to allow us to go on the battlefield at night. He goes, man, we can do whatever we want. So long story short, we can talk about this investigation at a later time in depth, but what intrigued me was we investigated there. Next day, drove from there to Octagon Hall hmm. and did the investigation at Octagon Hall, which... People can go on Theory Paranormal <laughs> Facebook page, and the video of the ball moving was actually done at Octagon Hall. Ball? What, which, uh, what ball? Uh, the beach ball. Beach ball? The video of the beach ball. Okay. Remember that one? Yeah. Okay, so little Mary died at like six, seven years old. Um, she was dancing around. I know I'm jumping around, but to tell you a little bit about the ball real quick, um, Little Mary, she they, they used to cook on open fires. You know, they didn't have stoves and stuff. They cooked on open fire. She was dancing around the, the cooking area with the fire, and her dress caught on fire. She burnt it down. Oh, no. Yes, very sad. So we went. Something told me when we walked into the house to go to Mary's room, she wanted to play. And so we went up there to Mary's room, and a couple other investigators were there, and... This, this lady was trying to get her to roll the ball, roll the ball. Come on, Mary, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, I see Mary. She kept playing with the flashlight over here. And her dad was a Confederate soldier, so I had my Florida 7th uh, Cavalry Confederate <coughs> hat on. Okay. Of course, Southern accent. And I said, Mary, I, I told her real quick, I said, what you're going to do is you're going to quit playing with that flashlight or I'm going to take it away from you. Mm -hmm. I need you to come over here and move the ball. And that's what she did, basically. So... That's the video of the ball moving. Now, the way that it's brought out in the audio, we were still playing around with audio. The audio don't match the video. Obviously, our friend that used to investigate with us, you hear him say the ball moved before the ball moved, but it was just a, on how you edit to put the, the audio in with the video. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so anyway, we, we get done with the Octagon Hall, and we're <coughs> driving back to Florida, and I turn around, and I look, and I go, I got this feeling, man, we need to go investigate the May Stringer house. And so our friend looked at us and goes, looked at me and said, well, you said you didn't want to do it. And I said, no, I want to do it. Now there's just something telling me we got to do it. So come to find out, we investigated May Stringer. And come to find out, her second husband fought at Perryville. Really? You talking about the owner of the May Stringer house back in the day? Well, you had the doctor, the first guy. He died of consumption. Okay, so he was the original owner or the original the husband? Original first husband. Okay. Original builder of the house. Okay. The original part of the house. Then the second husband, I, I can't think of the guy's name because we're just winging this right now, and I don't have that information <coughs> in front of me, but um, I believe he was a doctor. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then he built the add-on to the house. But this guy fought at Perryville, the second husband. So her first husband died young of consumption, and people don't know what consumption is. That's tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. He died of that. And so 
she went for quite a long time being single and running that whole plantation by herself. Okay. And um, the Civil War was going on. This guy fought at Perryville. Now, oh, wow. We can, like I said, we'll talk about Perryville later. But anyway, he was held captive in Atlanta. He was captured and held captive in Atlanta. Huh. When the war was over, he walked from Atlanta all the way back to Brooksville. So it's amazing that the guy walked that far. Now, this is what's being told by us from the history of the May Stringer. And I remember his Frank Saxon. Frank Saxon is the, the second husband's name. John May was the first one. Frank Saxon was the second husband. And he was a, considered a Confederate hero. Anyway, but he fought at Perryville, man. So my oh. whole thing was we went to Perryville, and I had no interest in doing an investigation at May Stringer until we went to Perryville. So do you think there's that connection with Perryville brought me to May Stringer kind of deal? Yeah. I, you know, I really want to jump in all over this in the pool. Go but, ahead, you know. jump in the pool. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I got mix, some extra floaties. <laughs> right, right. Make some waves on this one. That, you know, I, I kind of touched base on it earlier. It, there's so many things, at, at least for me and Dalton, when you get into a scenario situation, sometimes it doesn't make sense. It's not prevalent. It doesn't stand out, and you're like, okay, whatever, because you're so caught up in the moment of what's going on. Weeks, months, even maybe a year or two later, it just clicks, and then you can see the broad spectrum of how everything that shouldn't have made sense, that shouldn't have been tied together, that shouldn't have been a coincidence, you start seeing all these things that just came together to make something happen or to get information or to give information. And, you know, <clears throat> you, you, there's people out there that, or say, oh, you know, it's the will of the universe. It's meant to be, you know, or, or, you know, it's kismet or it's energy or all these things. Well, the thing is, is <clears throat> I'm a realist, analytical, logical, like the best of them. Mm -hmm. But because of my experiences in the paranormal and things that I've experienced and seen and felt and heard, it opened up me to have that side of me open that door and say, what if? What if it might be metaphysically related to energy or things of the spiritual plane or astral plane or, or different things? What if there's more factors going on than what I can perceive and understand right now at this moment? Well, you know, when you when you say that, though, when you, when you do that, so <clears throat> I understand what you're getting at. Mm -hmm. it's, and, it, and it relates to, makes you think about, how is it that I never been to the May Stringer house before, but I go to Perryville and now I want to investigate the May Stringer and find out the second husband fought there at Perryville. Mm -hmm. So did this guy like, is his energy still left at Perryville? Very well may be. Then how is his energy left at May Stringer when we did, when we did do May Stringer and we find out that he's also there too? You know, <clears throat> for that particular question, I will pose this this opinion. <laughs> I I kind of wholeheartedly believe when you pass on, you pass on physically, 
but spiritually, in a sense, energy-wise, you know, I dare say, it can go multiple places at the same time. It can be multiple places, but yet be at one place, too. Now, can I prove that, theoretically? No. Can I find a factual book, scientifically, to account for that opinion? No. Is there anybody anywhere that can say this opinion is valid and indeed true, can be remade to resemble what the opinion is? No. But I just hold that opinion because of my multitudes of years with the paranormal, with my background in metaphysical stuff, um, and, and uh, some other things that I get into some other time that gave me that opinion. And if there's anything I can lend credence to is I'll say this final point on, on this subject. Scientifically speaking, think of energy. What's the core components that we learned about energy, you know, in school when we were younger? Energy can be comprised of gas. It can be comprised of a solid, right? I guess. I never graduated high school, so I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Dalton always got jokes. You know, it, 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 there's multiple forms of energy. So, well, let's, 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 let's take it to a realistic paranormal investigating standpoint. We know there's three kinds of haunts. Mm-hmm. There's the intelligent haunt, which is the when they communicate with you. We know there's a residual haunt, which is a replay in time where they don't pay attention to you. It's just a replay of them doing something. Say, like a guy says, hey, every night at 1.20 in the morning, I see my grandmother walking to the kitchen. But when you go investigate, the grandmother doesn't pay attention. She doesn't communicate. There's no communication. There's no nothing. That's a residual haunt. Am I right? Yeah. So the third one you have is called imprinting. And that is where even people living today can leave their energy in a spot. So if, say, if I sit right here and I get angry, upset or mad, or I feel sad and I get up and move from this chair, I'm going to leave that energy right here in this spot. Now, if somebody comes and sits behind me and is sensitive enough, everybody's sensitive. (coughs) They've all got senses. So you're talking about sensitive meaning gifted. Maybe they're not even gifted. They just don't know they have a sense. Everybody has that sense. They can like, you, you know, you can take somebody you don't know that, or you can take somebody you do know, let's say that's not even near the paranormal or doesn't do anything. Okay. And they just, and you're like, Hey dude, how come you didn't buy that house or rent that place? And they're like, it just didn't feel comfortable to me because they were picking up, you know, the negative imprinting that was there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, come to find out some dude got, you know, murdered or or those problems were, you know, the, the people living there were very violent or whatever, you know, something happened, and that's what he picked up on. But I believe everybody has those abilities to feel that because you see it every day. You know, mm-hmm. somebody walks in, oh, I feel sick to my stomach. They walk out of the building, they feel fine, or they, you know, whatever. So anyway, <clears throat> for the paranormal aspect, or the, let's, let's go to the investigating aspect. Let's, let's say that. What if it was an imprint of him that I stumbled across? And that imprint, because, you know, during that Perryville investigation, I don't want to get too much in the investigation, but, you know, I almost, everybody thought I was going to pass out because, you know, that the, 
the spirits always attach themselves to me. And I mm-hmm. always, during the investigation, I look like I'm tired and I'm going to pass out because all the energies are clinging to me doing whatever. Just simply thank, imagine, for anybody that's done physical fitness exercise. And at that point, though, you're like, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm whooped. And, and you feel drained. That drain instantly hits you. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. I know how it is for me. Um, that's what kicks in out of nowhere. It drains you, but you still have the ability to move forward. You're just sluggish. Yeah. You, you know, you feel like you, you, in your mind, you don't feel like, hey, I'm done. I'm like you would working out. Like I'm over. My muscles hurt. I'm done. I'm going home. Yeah. In the investigation, you do feel drained and you feel sluggish and you feel tired and you just feel like, okay, I know what's happening because we've done this for so long. You mm-hmm. know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I do have photos of that on the Theory Paranormal Facebook page mm-hmm. that I was walking back to the vehicle and I was throwing the camera up over my shoulder and taking pictures of large mist um, coming off my backside. Now, it wasn't steam. I know some debunkers are going to be like, could have been because you were hot and it was cold. No, it was warm outside. There was no fog out there. Nobody was smoking. We always make sure whoever investigates with us does not smoke cigarettes. I mean, that's kind of a rule I have because if you do take it outside, because at the moment somebody wants to take a picture, if you're lit up in the building, which most places you can't smoke inside anyway. Right. So we're outside in the middle of the Civil War battlefield. I'm throwing my camera over my shoulder, and you can literally see these huge mists coming off my back and if you look inside there's some faces in there of course everybody like first thing your eyes do when you look at something that's not very clear is you see a face well there's obviously a few faces in these mist clouds and to me that was all that energy those entities Mm -hmm. because that was a very bloody battle that battle was very bloody and that was all them entities leaving me i was walking away from where I'm see. I'm gonna get into something else here, and I hate it. <laughs> it's so hard to explain these it's stories like, because things segue into one another, and there's so much to offer up. Really you know, is. when we did that house in Deland, that big old house that was uh, the, the voodoo doll. Yes. Okay, and you remember we found out there's barriers in the paranormal, mm-hmm. like there's lines that they can't cross. <clears throat> Supposedly, from so, a the research we did and, and, and multiple uh, people we consulted on. Exactly. Via, via their specialities. Exactly. So so I was thinking that, you know, walking back to the car, I was leaving the area where they couldn't go. So they were either that or they were stronger back there, but they were leaving me heading back to where I came from because the more closer I got to the car, the better I felt. I didn't feel so sluggish. That's what turned me on to flip the camera over my shoulder and just start taking pictures for no reason. Right. You know, and I got these forms coming off my back and you can tell like um the woman i was with at the time she was walking next to me and you can clearly see like when i took the photo like that's her shoulder the glare is different Mm -hmm. coming off of her Mm -hmm. but to the to the other side you can see the mist form and you can see what's in it so but back to the imprinting maybe i ran into an imprint of this guy and figured that I got to go check out May Stringer for some ungodly reason. You know what I'm saying? Right. But Mr. Saxon, that would be his name. And he also has a place down there, the uh, Saxon house that he built. 
Huh. If you remember that. Yeah, the Saxon House? Yes. Yeah. Right yep. down the street, or actually like a few blocks down from May Stringer. The May Stringer House. Right. You've been to the May Stringer House. Yes. What were some of your experiences there? May Stringer House. <clears throat> well, um, the the house is known for a little girl um, that's on the property. And uh, I remember specifically when I was trying to capture uh, some audio that I was recording. And, uh, you know, depending on the term that you want to do. And then uh, it, it can be, you know, coined as a voice box or a radio box. Uh, and it's nothing more than a device that think about sitting in the car and you want to tune in a radio station as you're driving along and you hit the seek or scan and it jumps to the next frequency. Well, that's what the devices do. They automatically jump from one point to the next. Um, and I'll break it down for you real quick for anybody that doesn't understand. The reason why that's important is the device is consistently jumping. Now, I, I did some mathematics and measured a bunch of stuff out, got all scientific on it. <clears throat> and what it came down to is that I found out from it jumping from one radio station to the next, there is literally a 0 0.2, 0 0.3 of a second. Okay, so we're talking a third of one whole second mm -hmm. where there's dead silence. Now, for anybody that doesn't know, radio stations put out energy. That's how your cars are able to hear it. And so you got energy on one end of the spectrum going to where the radio is going to. That's why it's dead. You have the energy on the other side of the spectrum where the radio is leaving where there was power. So you have that space in the middle that's pure white noise. And what I was able to formulate and come up with is that dead space is a virtual playground for, for spirits. And if you ever do this, look it up on the internet. It's all over. You can hear words. You can even hear sometimes phrases. But you can hear responses to things that you are asking, okay? And I'm not talking about, you know, somebody reading a paragraph to you. I'm just simply talking about yes, no, okay, hi, or, or different things. Well, we had one that one time. We had that satellite radio, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we'd sit there. If we had a way to put the knob <laughs> yeah. to where it would turn itself. It's turn itself. So we're sitting there spinning, spinning this, this knob, knob for an yeah. hour and a half. Our thumbs are getting so tired. We're switching back and forth. I think we used all <laughs> 10 of our freaking fingers just to keep the thing going. But it was, uh, right. we did that one time where in, in the satellite radio came out clear and we did have a full phrase. And I don't remember what that phrase was, but it was something, let, let me say this. It was this long. It was like, yes, I shot them kind of thing. You know, it was a sentence and it had, um, punctuality, uh, punctuality to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could tell there was like he said some vowels, he <clears> said whatever, nouns, yep. whatever. I mean, yep. you can clearly, distinctly see this is a sentence. Yep. And and the neat thing about that is this: those particular items, mostly, you hear live right then and there. You may have seen on TV or different places where they really ask a bunch of questions. Can you hear me? You know, what color am I wearing? Whatever, hypothetically, analogy sake there. And then they play it back and hear and you hear, you know, a word. Well, the difference is 
with what we were using. It was live right then and there, and that's it. So having the ability to ask a question and getting a valid response that's on the nose, like, am I male or female? You just pose the question out loud. And then you hear something come back to you and say, male? Okay, first of all, there's a 50-50 chance because you gave two answers, male or female. But also for it to be true in fact, the correct answer, and be right at that exact moment after you asked, you got to sit to yourself and go, wait, you what know? What just happened? What just happened? So the reason why I bring all this up is because I was using a voice box at the May Stringer house, and I remember walking along the side. It was one of these beautiful houses, three stories long, had a big wraparound porch, wooden banisters, the slats, you know, all around it. Very, very, very regal from the 1800s. And uh, I just remember saying, you know, the, the little girl's name, hey, if you're there, I'm so-and-so, let me know you're there. And I heard a laugh, and then I heard a little girl say hi. And you know there were three children there. Yep. yep. So they had the one girl from the first marriage. Mm-hmm. And then there was, a, I think, a son and another girl from the second marriage, I believe is what it was. Mm-hmm. Then you get something in the attic. Uh, what they, what they call the guy in the attic? It was like Mr. Meanie or Mr. Nasty or yeah, something Yeah, they gave like him that. a different name now. I, I, I recently like recently <laughs> went back to May Stringer, and mm-hmm. they call him like Jim or Dave or some crap like that. But um, not to knock him, I mean... Yeah, Mr. Meany sounds a little mean. <laughs> so I could see them giving the guy a name, but they gave him a name. But what? What? You said you had a good experience in the attic up there with him. Yeah, yeah. That because the reason why I say Mr. Meany, Mr. Nasty, is because of the fact supposedly uh, there were some people that investigated up there before, and um, he doesn't like women. It's, some people's experiences weren't positive in the fact of not getting activity or, you know, um, even up to the point of, of some people having what appears to be maybe a scratch on the arm. You know, you look at the arm, you know for a fact someone has their sleeves up or they're wearing a short sleeve shirt. Next thing you know, their arm looks like it has a miniature little welt on it or a little scratch. You know nothing's touched them. They're sitting there for three hours. So... Um, but for me, <clears throat> I did get a lot of particular activity that night and, uh, I used some EMF detectors and some flashlights and, uh, it, it for me, at least for that particular moment and night, um, I did get some responses. So it, it, I remember it takes a lot of people back when maybe you're not a paranormal investigator and it's your first time doing it. Then you have all of these notions in your head of what you see on TV. And then you go there and then you sit there for five hours and you're just staring at each other like it's a bus stop. And, and they don't, and you don't even realize they filmed that crap for like two weeks and then picked out every like a day here and a day here. Or what right. Day. Right. But my point being is, is that to have people, <clears throat> it be their first experience and expect to get results. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we would do round robin. Okay. We've been in this particular part of the house for so long. Okay, everybody, let's switch after an hour, hour and a half. And it's like, you pass some people going, hey, how'd you do? They're like, nothing. Oh, okay. People rolling their eyes, you know. People just shaking their head. No, I need to get something to drink. I have to go to the bathroom quick. It's like, oh, okay. And then later on, you pass each other again. You know, how'd you do? Oh, we got tons of activity. 
and then everybody else is kind of glaring at you like, really? <laughs> we, were, <laughs> we were just there. We got nothing. Nothing. <laughs> you know? Not even a mouse fart. Nothing. Right. And, and it's that's something that's also really interesting is the fact, from my experiences, I would like to thank, for all intents and purposes, we are nothing more than a spiritual walking encyclopedia of our lives because you can go into a place and investigate not physically reveal anything about yourself and say you have a, a, a ghost box or you have one of those devices that has a built-in vocabulary of so many words and it will just say words randomly and next thing you know it's saying things that are relevant to you for instance I served in the military proudly Thanks for your service. Yep, anytime, anytime. And a lot of times when I go to cemeteries or I go to other particular places, it's interesting because I will walk in and I'll see the word salute on the screen pop up, you know, and then I'll pose a question why, and then it's like oh, another word will pop up and it'll be like military. I can't make this up. It, it, it happens. And, and how many words are in the thing? It depends on what device you use. Some have a Rolodex of 500. Some have 1,000. But these devices are made. So let's just take the 500. I mean, out of 500 words, right. what's, what's the chance of it picking two words that resemble you? Right. And, and my point being is is that a lot of times I horribly feel that spirits are able to read you like a virtual Rolodex of going, okay, this person's this. Here's their experiences that we see. They automatically know things, you know, they just know. And that information's power though, because going into a situation where somebody's getting blocked as far as not getting any activity and you show up, that's happened before. I went to a cemetery where I know people were getting zero activity and I walked over to a particular part of the cemetery that had a few um, graves of, of soldiers. Um, and next thing I know, I see, you know, I'm, I'm hearing, thank you. And I'm seeing thanks pop up on the screen. And it's like, whoa, you know. And then I realize, you know, I see the person, they passed away and all that stuff, and they're, what branch they're in. And I'm like, hey, I appreciate your service. You know, yeah, I served. And it's just something as simple as that. And I think, I think the spirits choose who they want to talk to. I mean. Um, oh, uh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Because, you know, like when we, when we first met and we started doing investigations, we were actually, there was a small group of investigators. And we actually were split up into opposite teams, if you want to call them teams, whatever. You, you were on one side of the building, I was on the other. But yep. we did another investigation where me and you, I think it was... Um, I want to say Casadega, but Casadega, Florida. Yeah, Casadega. We okay. remember we did the, we walked around out in the field and Casadega. Just for anybody that is not familiar with Casadega, <clears throat> you have you know up north where Salem is, then you have Casadega. Casadega was known to be built upon the foundation of being a spiritual camp before it got made into a, a mini university slash learning center back in the coming of the ages of uh, the early 1900s. That's where the devil's chair is, too. There's, there's an item there. 
uh, correct called the devil's chair, which is a whole different conversation, but, but yes, you're more than welcome <laughs> to, to, to look that up. So we, I want to say it was Casadega that me and you were able to get together as a team. And when we did, we got tons of evidence that other people weren't getting. So I also think not only do the spirits choose who and when and how they want to talk to somebody, but I also think it's the energy that feeds off the person you're with while you're investigating. If if the two of you are putting off very strong and good energy, have, let, me, let me just say this. What place have we gone to where we not have had any evidence? You know, that's a hard one. You see, there's been times where, where me and Dalton, we've done investigations with multitudes of people of ages, uh, race, creed, colors, you know, you name it, everything. My point being is I'm talking about diversity, okay? So we've been to situations where it doesn't make a difference who's there. There's nothing. Grasshoppers, literally, just dead as a doornail, no activity the whole night. And you go home, and, yeah, you're kind of bummed out, but you're like, eh, you know, one day at a time. You know, it's kind of like, hey, the sun rises tomorrow. There's going to be something else out there. But there's times where we've done stuff and it's just like gangbusters come left and right nonstop the whole night. I only think that's happened to us like once or twice. I'm what I'm trying to say is <laughs> every investigation we have had, we've caught some great evidence. I mean, it's this is what I'm saying. Like your energy and my energy together just click. Mm-hmm. And when we go to investigation, if if and this is what I tell people. You know, if it's if it's haunted, they're gonna show themselves if we come there, because that's they want to talk to us, and that's the one thing I found out. Like when we were separated, and we were by ourselves. Yeah, they talked to me, or I'll come over to you and go, "Did you get anything?" Yeah, I kind of got something. But you talk to everybody else in the group. They're like, "I ain't get nothing," you know, and it's like, okay, well then you put the two of us together. It's kind of like. And we'll get into psychics and mediums <coughs> later down the road, too. But it's kind of like if you get a psychic or a medium and you get a couple of them together, they grow stronger. Like their energies yeah, combine. Yeah, the, ener- the energies play off each other. Just to touch base real quick, this is an analogy that I, I can best describe it. And this is just, once again, through through many years of just sitting and watching how things happen. Think of a lighthouse and the ocean. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's all dark everywhere. But then out of nowhere, you see that light barely, and for that split second, you see it piercing the veil, and it's bright right at you. The veil or the veil? The veil. Sorry. I, Are I, you hungry? I went to a steakhouse <laughs> earlier today, and uh, I was thinking about our earlier lunch. But, um, you know, that light comes to you, and you see it. I believe people that are truly gifted, that have the aptitude uh, maybe they can hear things. Maybe they see things. Maybe they can feel things, hypothetically. Maybe they can feel energy. Um, that's a whole other podcast show. But point being is, as individuals like that, they're that shining beacon of light. And that darkness all around, for analogy speaking sake, is the other side. So when certain people get introduced to environments where things are going on, it's kind of like, hey, whoa, wait a minute. Who do we have here? It's like, hey, this person may be able to be more receptive. 
to what we have to say or put out there or experience. I think they can tell that you can communicate with them. Like they know like, okay, this person, no. So let's use the light analogy. And maybe you're right. Maybe you're the light in the darkness that they know that, hey, I can come to this person and mm-hmm. communicate with. And not only will they listen to me, but they'll spread my message or they'll do whatever. You know what I mean? It's, right. it's, I, I kind of agree with that. It's kind of a unique way of putting it. But, yeah, I yep. would say. Yep. So. So, Perry, I mean, uh, May Stringer was cool, though. May Stringer, we got a lot of evidence. I got a bunch of evidence on their theory paranormal page from May Stringer as well. You talking the the Facebook page? Yeah, it's a Facebook page. Okay. The website. What's the website again? We just got. Um, we're going to be launching a, a new website also. It's just going to be get to it by simply going to www.theoryparanormal.com. Okay, cool. So, the other one, the info, or the, did we do the live one? We did a live one for the live streaming. <clears throat> Correct. We're also going to be doing live streaming. Uh, so that is going to be theoryparanormal.live, L-I-V-E, when we do uh, live streaming for investigations. You'll just be able to go directly there and just click on it and watch it just like it's TV. Yes, and we're not going to do the, uh, you know, keep the camera on my ugly mug. You're going to actually see what we see. You're, yep. you're going to hear what we hear. We're working very hard right now to uh, to get those uh, devices set up the proper way to where, you know, maybe you as a, as a watcher or listener, you decide to watch a live stream. I might have my head turned, that camera still looking straight, you know, and you might say, wow, we just saw shadow figure go through the doorway there and we'll play it back. And you might be the one that catches the evidence, not us. Yep. And uh, the other component to that is, is when we do go for the live streaming, we're going to involve the audience to where they can communicate with us and let us know things. So if we don't catch something and somebody tips off, tips us off, then we will actually write that in there. Be like, oh, hey, you know, soccer player 2042 just said, hey, I think I saw something in the corner over there. Right, that's what or, I was saying. Or I think I heard something because I got my headphones on. And then it's like, all right. We stop right there. We, we reel it back and we see what they heard or saw yep. to verify it because that's what we do. May Stranger, man. I, we've, I, we have spent quite a bit of time at Mainstream. <clears throat> yes, most definitely. Um, wh- where's a, what's your favorite, whether it be by yourself or with the group or with me, what do you think was one of your favorite, most unique favorite investigations you've ever done? I would like to say... To this day, to this day, because we're still going to investigate <coughs> some more. You might find a new one. I would say Moon River Brewery in That's Georgia. Interesting. In, in Georgia. I've never been there. That's an interest. I, I, I'd like to go there. <clears throat> Moon River Brewery. I highly encourage anybody to go there because A, they have amazing food <laughs> and <laughs> drinks. But it has a deep, deep history in the South um, for things uh, that were related to mil- militaristic uh, uh, ideas and stuff. Uh, back in the day, the building got took over and was used for multiple reasons. Um, but that particular place, um, it is a, it's a two-story building, but it's actually three because you have the massive attic up top. Hmm. 
Interesting. And, yep. And they only allow certain people to go up to the third floor. <clears throat> you have to get pre-authorization and stuff. Um, the second time I went there uh, a while ago, uh, they actually stopped doing that. Um, but the reason why I bring up that place is simply because of the fact I, uh, it made me laugh because I follow uh, being able to wear certain stones and or crystals and, and things of that nature uh, to help me out sometimes, depending on the situation. So so right there, is that, are you doing like a Wiccan type thing? or I, For myself, I'm, I kind of follow the proponent of more of a, a spiritual side of the house. Not necessarily Wiccan, but I believe wholeheartedly that, that various stones and crystals and so forth can interact with your chakras in your body and stuff and, and potentially assist you. And again, that's, that's going to be another conversation we'll have, but tell me, tell me at least like, cause I'm interested because you know me, I just go in <clears throat> boots and guns a glazing. Yep. Yep. And so, uh, <laughs> so what it was is I, I remember I, I, I brought this particular stone, put up my left cargo pocket on my shorts and it, it, did you like turn your hat sideways, <clears throat> throw salt over your shoulder, and walk backwards too, or what? I mean, come on, walk backwards in three three counterclockwise circles, you know, and, 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 and recite the Pledge of Allegiance backwards. No, yeah, no. Like what what it came down to uh, is, I remember I was in the particular this particular room. We were all huddled together, and about eight people in a small small room that was for all intents and purposes almost a closet, and it was towards the end of the night, <clears throat> and I remember it was so hot. I mean, just so hot. The humidity was kicking. You know, you're up up there in the second, third floor. You're feeling it, you know. And uh, I, I just made some comment like, hey, let me know you're here. You know, go for it. That was it. I wasn't, you know, trying to give anything. I wasn't trying to, you know, be uh, belligerent with, you know, getting all loud and everything and trying to provoke. And <clears throat> when I did that, this rock is in my cargo pocket. So I want you, everybody to think about if you have like a set of keys in your pocket and you go to grab them and you put your hand over your pocket on top of the jeans like everybody can see you or shorts. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you feel your hand on top of said keys and you feel the pressure into your legs something, right? Mm-hmm. As you push down a little bit. Right. Well, I felt after I said, hey, let me know you're here. That particular stone I put there, A, just to kind of just keep energy off me. And it's also kind of a, a quote-unquote protection stone, uh, as you will. And what color is this stone? Uh, it is very, very silver and shiny. And so what happened was, as I said that, I kid you not, I felt on my leg something wrap around my cargo pocket grab into my leg and I felt that stone go into my leg with pressure. Really? Kind of like, you think, you know, this is going to help you right now, buddy? Let me go ahead and just, you know, (laughs) remind you who has control here, you know? Um, But the reason why I bring that up is because a lot of my experiences uh, aren't as, as pronounced, per se, on certain elements. Everybody's receptive to different things. But for that particular moment, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, it was like that aha moment where I was like, it just got real. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you know, and you know that's the thing, because you know you you know everybody you hear everybody talk about. I carry a stone, or I say a prayer, or I wear a crystal necklace that does something, yeah, or, or a pendulum, or whatever. You know, it's um, they do all these things to pendant, yeah, pendant. Well, you know what's uh, what's that? Um, the uh, crap, can't think of the name of it. I'll get it here in a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's lots of charms. Lock, so I joke and call them lucky charms, but well, yeah, there's you know all colorful. But you know, it's um everybody says they have a way to let's just get to the point of protecting themselves towards certain energies. <clears throat> um, and there's several times where I've done investigations, and everybody's like, "Well, what do you use to protect yourself?" And I said, "I don't." And they just look at you like, "What?" And I'm like, "I don't have anything to protect myself." They're like, well, why not? And again, this is my opinion that you don't know what you're dealing with. So how do you know what to bring in there? What Dalton is talking about is just the mere fact, you know, with Therapy Paranormal, we know that there is a ton of ways and a ton of mindsets that you can prescribe to for belief systems. You know, um, there's tons of religions. There's tons of ideologies. There's tons of different ways of being spiritual or not, or just simply just saying, no, this is what I believe in. You know, someone's personal belief value. Um, we totally are all about whatever makes anybody happy for what it is they want to do and go forward to be that way. You know, it's never a situation where it's like, oh, I do this. Oh, okay, well, I do this. Oh, well, mine's better. No, mine's better. No, it's not like that. We are all welcoming about anybody's opinion, what anybody's methodology is when they investigate. And that's when we bring people in, sometimes as guest and guest investigators, uh, to go through the process with me and, uh, and Dalton, you know, just to see what's what. Well, I'm talking, and I'm also talking about the protection aspect. Mm -hmm. You know, so, yeah, we don't, we're not here to change anybody's beliefs, really. And we're not here to change your religion or your... Your um, what do I want to say there? Any of your thought process, but the protection aspect of it is not about really the thought process or anything. It's your belief. You're right. It's about belief, and you believe that whatever you do, like a lot of people will, um, you know, prey upon the white light or whatever they do to protect themselves before they go into a haunted place. Yep, creative visualization. Okay. Power of thought, energy projection. So when anybody asks me why don't I carry something or why don't I pray or why don't I do this? Because to me, again, my opinion, my opinion, because that's what we're doing. We're just sharing our opinions and our and our experiences. Uh, you know, my opinion is uh how do you know what to take in there? What if I take in uh some um Christian Baptist stuff, and, and the entity is a shaman, believes in shaman, you know, or believes in some kind of, what if you're near an Indian burial ground and you're dealing with, well, that would be a shaman, right, Indian stuff? It, it could be, depending upon the, uh, you know, the background of the individual or what they're Cause I, You know, I'll be honest with you, I don't pay attention to none of that stuff, to be honest with you, I really don't, so, mm -hmm. but what if you're near... You know, do you think my Christian background or my Baptist background is going to protect me from Indian beliefs or laws of, um, you know, their gods? And I'm not talking like 
I'm bringing religion into this. I'm just saying it falls with the protection. Right. How do I know? It's kind of like facing a vampire. You ever seen those movies? The guy has no faith, and he pulls a cross out on a vampire, and the vampire laughs and just squashes the cross and says, you have no faith. Right. Okay, so... So your conviction about what you believe in is what you're getting at. But what to believe when you don't know what you're dealing with? Does your belief actually... Trump what's going on. No matter what goes on. Right, right. Does your single... <laughs> being that we have so many religions mm -hmm. and so many people believing in things. Now, we're not talking about... Um, you have normal people that pass away and they become spirits or ghosts, whatever you want to call them. You have what I call evil people. So when somebody says we have an evil spirit in the building, to me that's just an evil person that was alive and that they're just evil after they're dead. Then you get to, what's the favorite one? Demonic. You said the D word. I did. And that becomes biblical, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk about evil and demonic. Okay. In a simple fact, <laughs> if we walked into an investigation where any of this stuff, like let's say, a, let's just say a malicious entity, one that likes to touch, scratch, do whatever, push you down the stairs. How do you know that you're faith, your your belief, your Baptist or Christian or whatever you're doing, you walk in there, to me, that guy is just going to laugh at you because you don't know where that entity come from. You don't mm -hmm. know their beliefs, and I believe that you have to match their beliefs to be able to stop them. Right. Does and, that make sense? No, it, it hardly does. And, and, you know, just to add to that, that is one of the most difficult things. Nine times out of ten, going to a situation, you don't know what you're getting into until you're in the middle of it. Then, yeah. And then, then it's sometimes it's too late. It's, it's too late. Like you can't go nowhere. You're in the middle, you know, trying to help people. What about the one you did when you went in the, and you and then you walk out puking up some black <laughs> stuff? Was that you? As, I'll, I'll say this. I ended up doing a particular investigation once, and uh, the fact that I may be sensitive uh, on an intuitive level, we uh, were getting near the location, and... Uh, what was interesting is, is I was fine about 15 minutes out. I just remember I was sitting in the vehicle with a bunch of people in the vehicle, the team at the time, and uh, I felt like I got gut punched. You know, sucker punched in the gut as hard as you could punch somebody. And it, it, it uh, made me want to get sick and vomit right then and there. And the intense pain, the burn did not go away the whole time. But didn't you get sick with something weird, like you couldn't explain what just came out of your mouth? I mean, I don't mean to be disgusting here, but <laughs> like sometimes when you talk, I don't understand what come out of your mouth. But anyway, so <laughs> didn't you like get sick or something? Didn't something like it just felt weird? You never had that before and you kind of... So here's the interesting thing. I, I like to think in a perfect world it all makes sense, but it really doesn't. Sometimes going to an investigation, you're fine. Okay? Think about laying in a pool on a floaty. And it's sitting there. You're looking at the sun. You're looking at the clouds. And it's serene and quiet. That's your baseline. That is you. That is normal. That's your 0 0.2. <laughs> and then somebody comes up and kicks their foot in the water. And those ripples come and hit the floaty. And then you start feeling that sensation, even though you couldn't hear them because you got your noise-canceling headphones on. Mm-hmm. 
for me at least personally, when things get past my baseline and don't feel right, that's when I know something's up. And for that particular instance, I did end up getting sick. And there was no reason to whatsoever. I didn't have a full stomach. I didn't eat anything bad the night before. I know I was hydrated. I just, I drank plenty of water. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm, I'm vomiting. And it's like, okay, let's do the math here. What is my events today? Well, I'm traveling three hours to go do an investigation at a location. Everything is fine up until 15 minutes before, before 15, 10 minutes before. And then this happens. And it's like, really? You know, it's one thing for anybody, you know, I hope not that's ever had experienced food poisoning. Sometimes it just, you feel the buildup. Sometimes it just comes out of nowhere, you know, and, and you're just going, please make it stop. But for that to happen at that particular point in time, and then me go to the location and then do some investigating, and then it stops abruptly just as quick as it came, mm-hmm. you know, you got to ask yourself, like, what type of game is really being played here? How, do, how does the other side or the energy or, or whatever it may be, that entity, know that I was already coming, you know? Yeah, like they knew. Because you remember that time when we were doing one and I was, you know, we, I was in the van and I was like, man, my chest feels all tight and we ain't even yep. there yet. And you're like, yeah, I'm not feeling right. And we got there and we walked up to the doorway and you could feel like this thing put a barrier at the front door and it was tough for us to walk through it like literally it was like walking through sharded glass for me yep and it you had like you you didn't you know you're not getting cut you just feel nauseated sick whatever i mean i can't even describe it really but this thing put up a barrier so we wouldn't come in the building mm-hmm. and even though we walked through it 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 was horrible, dude, but we got through the door, and then it was like it calmed down a little bit. Yeah. And then we were able to do our investigation that night. But it is interesting to know that, you know, when you in, – in, in what you were doing, you were on a private investigation, I believe. Correct. And so it's interesting to know that the uh, person or the entity – Actually knows that the person called, which I can hear you texting over there. <laughs> Just so you know, um, it's funny that you know the person that called us or called you to do the investigation. That it's almost like the entity came through the phone and like got on you a little bit, and then just waited till the right time to kick you in the gut and say, "Hey, I don't want you here." Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, and <clears throat> you know that's the interesting thing. Uh, from my experience with investigating is you don't know what you're getting into until you get into it. And, and we it, could say that a hundred times. It, it, it doesn't make a difference how much work up you get. And you could be all matter of fact and sit down and be like, here's our case file. I went to do research at the local library. I talked to witnesses. I got my witness statements from the individuals we're going to investigate. You know, look at all the history chronologically of all the potential environmental factors, you know, which can be pretty in-depth and personal because you need to get the full money picture. You really do on multiple levels. And then you get there and none of it counts for anything. No, nothing. because what about the, what about the one? Oh, here's one right here real quick. St. Albums. Um, St. Albums Sanitarium. I did that with some certain people up there. 
in Virginia. And when I got onto the property, man, my my whole body was like it was in a vice. And I couldn't understand exactly why until I found out that this place was located right on a, a, a rapid river. And the motion of water, quick-moving water, is a... Um, Affects the environment. For yeah, it. but it, it's a... What do you want to call it? It's a... I can't think of the, the it, thing. It being conducive? Yeah, it's a... It's a <clears throat> Man, why can't I think of a word right now? <laughs> yeah, we've been talking for an hour and 20 minutes, you know. Well, that's fine, but it's, it's it's a conductor. Okay. That's the word I'm looking for. It's a conductor for the paranormal. You know, the the rivers, um, what, court, I think it's quartz stone or some certain stones near the river mm-hmm. actually conduct enough energy to help the paranormal, um, you know, do its thing. All of those type of stones, being able to harness energy, uh, referencing ions and all the different ways that energy's out there. Right. Think of um, what do they what do they call them? Uh, well, it's an ion detector or an ion um, ion reader. No, the one that puts it out. I forget the name of that. Um, it feeds the room with positive ions. Oh, you're talking about the air neutralizers. Yeah, basically okay. what so we use to energize the room so they can communicate. Okay, so. You can actually utilize an air purifier for a room. What that does is change the polarity of the ions in the room from positive to negative. So when they get switched to negative, uh, referencing all the dust, it literally falls to the ground. That right there in itself is why when you walk into a room after you have a, a room purifier kicking for a while, it feels a little bit more lighter, more free going, maybe not as stuffy. So uh, that's what he's referencing. Yeah, plus they do have... They do have stuff you can buy, like the boxes you can buy that you can turn them on, and it actually puts out the the ions or whatever. Like I said, mm-hmm. I'm not a. You, that's your department there, so. Well, I I actually have a device that's a ion counter, as it's called, and uh, it will literally read a one by one foot within its environment, and it will give you a number uh, on the display to let you know how many ions are in that footprint. So when you're conducting investigations, depending on how scientific you want to get, uh, you can actually watch the ions uh, either diminish or increase. And the reason why I did that, it's just a method of gauging a form of energy in the environment. Right. So ultimately, uh, there's many ways to gauge what's going on. It depends on what tools you have at your disposal, um, obviously your price points of, of what you have monetarily. And also what's available out there in the economy or people you know or, or various ways. Um, you know, I am always pushing the envelope and always trying to find different ways to uh, utilize things to investigate. Uh, you know, it, we have what we see within the paranormal environment genre. And then there's a whole bunch of other things people never think to use. No, and some some things are... Some of the simplest things to use, and I'm not going to give some of our uh, secrets away because <laughs> I know I know very well that um, once we've been watched before and, it, and some of our tools have been used before. But um, so, yeah, um, 
but man, I tell you what, man, this is, um, I hope everybody that is listening in on this. Yeah. We went an hour and a half on our podcast here, but I hope everybody enjoys what they're listening to and, and tell your friends about it. If they're into the paranormal and want to hear some interesting, um, you know, experiences and stories that we have to tell. And we, we definitely got a whole lot coming up as far as investigation wise. And we will be talking about, um, you know, investigations that are coming up that are new and giving you the history. And we'll also every now and then we'll go back to, um, say like Perryville. I'd like to get into the history of that and, you know, how it became on the investigation there other than what we talked about. Yep. Yep. Without a doubt. And uh, like I said, if anybody has any any questions or anything they wanted to let us know, please feel free to email us at info, I-N-F-O, at theoryparanormal.com. And uh, we'll be able to uh, get whatever information you want to share with us or ask us questions or have us maybe potentially clarify something that you've always thought about or saw, but you just don't want to put it out there. Send a photo, man. If well, You know, on uh, sometimes on the <laughs> Facebook page... I'll have certain people send me a photo or something mm-hmm. they've captured or a video, yeah. Video and and have us and you know give give our opinion on it. I say if you do send a photo, take three or four takes. Just make sure you send us three or four of the same area of the take so we can see before and after and in the middle. Don't just send one photo and say look what I caught because then I'm going to be like, we got to be able to play devil's advocate, wear the hat, and try to debunk and and with limited you know tools at our disposal, um, you know, go forth. We, we, we have expertises in, in, in certain things, which we haven't touched base yet on. Um, but we have options to be able to dig in and, and really see what's what, uh, on things. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very open still to this day to help people figure out what they captured. So, but with that being said, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up uh, episode two of uh, Therapy Paranormal's podcast. We appreciate your time. And uh, as always, don't be afraid to ask questions. <laughs>